Hi, my name is Gina, and this is Letters to My Daughters podcast. If you're new, I would like to welcome you, and if you are a returning listener, I want to thank you for coming back. Today's letter is one of the hardest ones I've ever shared, uh, but I'm doing it in unconditional obedience to the Holy Spirit. So I hope that you enjoy what you hear today, and I hope you keep coming back. Thank you so much. always been really good at burning bridges, at kicking people out of my life with the belief that it was in mine or my children's best interest. And in a lot of cases, that was true. But in a lot of cases, that was also my lazy way of exiting a relationship instead of facing what was bothering me. I did it to my close friend in my early 20s when she excluded me from her wedding party. I didn't show up to the wedding and stopped answering her calls. I did it to distant relatives when their social media posts annoyed me or I didn't think maintaining a relationship with them would benefit me. I did it with a church I was heavily involved with and committed to over my dislike of changes they made in their worship service without telling anyone about my concerns. I did it to boys who liked me, abruptly ending all contact to make sure they knew that no meant no. I even did it to my parents, including my mom who I still have limited contact with. There was always a sense of justice in burning those bridges, a feeling of having won, a sense of victory over what I felt was unfair and unjust. I always thought that having the strength to walk away meant that I was strong, courageous, and bold, empowered. Having the strength to walk away can take courage, especially in toxic relationships and situations, but... If I'm brutally honest, sometimes those toxic situations were my fault. It was easier for me to completely forego the relationship than it was for me to speak up, ask for what I needed, stick up for myself, or apologize. I've been thinking about these bridges lately and what it means to burn them and also to build them about the kind of energy that it takes to cross thresholds, to be uncomfortable, but to find peace in the knowledge that I said what I needed to say. There is wisdom in staying silent, but there is also wisdom in speaking up. I think part of why I gave up on those relationships, why I shut up and went away, was because I didn't want to face the confrontation that could be caused by my own misdeeds, lack of confidence, lack of communication, or hurt. 
I was raised in an environment where I was constantly gaslit into believing I was crazy if something hurt my feelings or made me angry. I was pegged as crazy, unstable, dysfunctional if I fought back. Being raised in an environment like that taught me how to choose my battles, but for all the wrong reasons. I avoided expressing my feelings and opinions with others because I expected to be told I was wrong for feeling that way. It never occurred to me that other people might respond with compassion to my feelings or that compromises could be made. It took me a lot of time to untrain myself from seeing others as being as cold, calculating, and narcissistic as the environment I grew up in. I have spent a lot of time as an adult figuring out if the habits and traits that I have are part of my natural personality or if they are things that I was taught that aren't necessarily healthy. It's hard for me to share these things because even now, I can hear the blame being shifted back on me. All of the lies of the enemy that were spoken over me as a child, they're now just echoes, but I wish I never heard them to begin with. So I want to share with you today I want to explain why you need to pick up the phone, write the letter, and say what you need to say. Growing up, if I used my voice to explain what was hurting me, I was told I was wrong. So, I resorted to writing letters, trying to organize my thoughts on paper in ways that came out less angry. Into adulthood, I began to stay silent. And I think that was Satan's goal for me, because now I'm using my letter writing to say what I needed to say all along, and the believers who are listening are telling me I'm on the right track. My goal in sharing these stories is not to hurt anyone. I think back on all of the moments I spent alone in my room, playing the loudest music I could find just trying to escape where I was in that moment. All the times I self-harmed because I couldn't express my pain in any other way. And I think of my girls, and I dread the thought of them ever feeling how I felt. I write so that I can speak over those moments of lonely solitude because maybe someone out there needs a mom hug just like I did but they're not in a position to get that hug or the words they need. I hope that this letter gives you the courage to speak up and the strength to hold on. I have shared with you a bit about my adoption in the past, about when my birth father passed away and my story of longing to connect with my biological parents and siblings. I shared with you in this letter some of the ways my false courage has led me to irreparably sever relationships, but now I want to share with you the story of my lack of courage, the story of how I threw the ball in the other court, so to speak, but then stuck my nose in the air believing that someone would contact me if they wanted me at all. I'm not sure if it was discernment that led me to this conclusion, or maybe like Janina said in my last episode, I was just one of those babies born knowing she wasn't wanted. 
But I always knew in my heart that finding my biological parents was not going to be fun or easy. I always pictured myself knocking on a door and having it slammed in my face. When I was 25, I found my biological mom. She was not truthful on my adoption paperwork and refused to name a father, so I was placed in foster care from birth until I was three months old. I was adopted at that time. When I found my biological mother, I was very reluctant to contact her. I had found her Facebook page, along with those of her children, my half-siblings, but rather than message her there, I found an email address on an obscure website and sent her an email. It wasn't even a truthful email. I had a feeling she was not going to be happy about hearing from me, so I wrote nonsense, telling her that I was okay, that I was happy that her hope of me being raised in a good family was fulfilled. I told her I was proud of her decision. I didn't lie. I just didn't share the ugly parts. And I don't know if I really regret that, but I regret not being more brave. I had the courage to message her children on Facebook. I had the courage to maintain relationships with my own siblings against her wishes. And she even emailed me back telling me that she was angry with me for contacting them, all of her kids who were adults at the time. I just didn't have the courage to face her anger. So I didn't call her, I didn't meet her, and I ignored her email and continued communicating with my sister who lived hours away, which made her more angry. When my siblings connected with me, they included their grandmother, my birth mother's mom. The truth started coming out bit by bit about who really knew I was born and who thought I was dead and who my dad could be. I found the man that was supposedly my father, a sound technician for a very famous band, but I didn't have the courage to call him myself, so my husband called on my behalf. We spoke with him and more truths came to light, but he wasn't my father. So, I took a 23andMe DNA test at the urging of my sister to find out who my father was. That was how I found my paternal cousins, which led me on a wild goose chase of searching for my birth father. I knew I should have tested on Ancestry, which had a wider user base. And in 2018, I even found a search angel volunteer who was willing to help me sort through my genetic matches to figure out who my father was. I waited several years to test on Ancestry, and I wish I hadn't. I wish I had gone with my gut, with that Holy Spirit urging, whispering in my ear, telling me that the answers were there. But my stubbornness didn't let me do that. Once I did test on Ancestry, like 18 months ago, I matched my paternal half-siblings and confirmed what I had already figured out. They had been on Ancestry for many years. The answer would have been so simple and so easy, but I was stubborn and anxious and didn't allow myself to take the simple, clean path. I connected with cousins, let them tell me the story. Let them color my birth father 
and my grandparents and my siblings for me so that I didn't have to figure it out for myself. I let them call him when I matched his children. I let them tell me that he didn't want anything to do with me. I could have called both of my parents. I had their contact information for years. I kept thinking to myself that they knew I was looking. I was talking to people and eventually they would reach out. I kept thinking that I was being respectful by not making direct contact because they had children just entering adulthood and I didn't want to interrupt or cause problems or change their parental relationships. I don't know if my poking around caused problems, but I do know that I missed out on the opportunity to call. I didn't find my voice soon enough and both of my biological parents died. I'm telling you all of this, which is complicated and confusing to share this story with you. There is a line in the book of Jude, chapter 1, verse 22. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. Jude is a really short book in the Bible, but it's pretty powerful. I remember feeling convicted about evangelism after my church covered this book in a sermon. But time went on, and as I have practiced evangelism, I haven't really felt that the people I was interacting with were in a fire. I guess I didn't see the urgency or didn't think their circumstances were so fiery that they needed plucked up or snatched. I shared a few weeks ago that my biological father passed away in September. During that episode, I shared that I was feeling pretty done with the entire situation surrounding my adoption. I finally felt peace with everything that had happened. Even though I didn't have closure or information, I was able to lay it down and walk away. It was the first time in 16 years that I was able to let go of searching. It had been laid to rest. In the last few weeks, I've been thinking about one of my biological relatives. He's my grandfather, though we have never met. I share this with you knowing that someday one of my relatives might listen to this, knowing that it could cause problems, but needing to share this with you anyway. I have been told by my biological relatives that my grandfather is an alcoholic, a deadbeat, a failure stupid and worthless that he starts drinking at 11 a.m. and doesn't stop until he's asleep at night in my search for my birth family i have found newspaper articles about him police reports and various statements branding him with a certain character that would appear unsavory at best and unsafe at worst but this man this stranger that happens to be my grandfather has been weighing on my heart. The verse, save others by snatching them from the fire, has been laid on my heart just for him. I don't often hear God speak to me. I'm not the type of person to have visions. But God told me to call him and to tell him just how much God loves him. It has taken me weeks to get up the courage to make that phone call to obey what God was asking me to do. 
I felt a bit like Jonah, waiting to be swallowed up by a whale for disobeying. I did everything I could to avoid making the call, made every excuse up, every justification. The conviction stayed with me anyway. I thought back in September that this journey was over. I had resolved not to make contact with my siblings. I never planned on contacting this man. I groaned inwardly at the idea of opening up this can of worms, prayed to avoid a relationship, and wondered why God would push me this much further when I thought it was over. I dreaded what I knew would happen, what has happened to me over and over again in my search for my birth parents and siblings. Rejection. I got up the courage to call, and I was blessed to be able to leave a message. I was able to say what God put on my heart to say to him without the intensity of a conversation, but then he called me back. I don't think he listened to my message, not yet anyway. But when I introduced myself to him, he said, I don't know anything about that and hung up on me. I know that I expected rejection, that I expected not to be heard out, but there is something so painful about getting up the courage to call, only to be hung up on. I didn't have the courage to call my birth parents, and they died before I could really connect with them. But my motives were totally different then. This phone call, as weird as it is for me to admit this, was not something I expected or wanted to do. I dreaded it as I dialed the number, as I left the message, and as I listened to him hang up on me. My heart immediately recognized what was happening, even as my head wasn't sure what had just occurred. I was angry and hurt, but I wasn't surprised. In my heart, I called him every name his own relatives had called him when they described him to me on my search. I was so sad. When I first felt called to connect with him, I asked my husband why God would ask me to do such a thing. He told me that maybe God was testing my obedience. Maybe this type of rejection would toughen me up for more effective evangelism. I hated that idea, the idea of being tested. But something occurred to me after I calmed down a bit. There's a verse in the Bible in Matthew 7.22 that says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. My biological grandfather did not give me the opportunity to share why I was calling him. He didn't ask me what I wanted. He simply said he didn't know anything about me and hung up. And it hurt. I didn't want to admit that it hurt because I expected it. But it did make me think of this. When I meet God, if I haven't lived in obedience to Him, if my heart wasn't pure and my actions had the wrong intent, 
if I in secret worshipped idols, or spent time loving things or people more than God? If my salvation isn't secure through my declaration of Jesus as my Lord and Savior, God could say to me, I don't know anything about that, and destroy any hope of ever reconciling in the future. God wasn't asking me to build a relationship with my biological family. He was asking me to obey him so that I could come to this conclusion. The rejection that I so loathe and fear on this earth is nothing in comparison to the rejection I will feel if I do not live according to God's will. He was not trying to magnify what had been taken from me, what I had lost, or where my trauma is. He was trying to redirect me to Him, to motivate me to live my life exactly as He planned. So today, I want to share with you what I wanted to share with my biological grandfather. But more than that, I want to encourage you to walk in obedience to Christ, to act on it when the Holy Spirit tells you to move. I didn't get the interaction I hoped I would get, but I was rewarded for my obedience with this wisdom, and I cherish it. I found out that when I felt convicted to snatch him from the fire, he was posting in Facebook groups denying the existence of God. I believe that if I had acted immediately when the Holy Spirit prompted me to act, rather than waiting weeks to get up the courage, I could have made more of an impact. I have learned that obedience doesn't mean getting around to it when I feel strong enough. It means relying on the power that resurrected Jesus, the strength that parted seas and crushed armies, being carried by the Spirit that lives within me so that I can move, move with conviction and without regret. So I think about relationships, about bridges, about what they mean to our lives, about the courage strength and stewardship it takes to build them and maintain them. So I want to share with you what I wanted to say to my biological grandfather. God is real. He is alive and he is watching you. He isn't watching you in condemnation and judgment, but in longing and love. He saw you as a rowdy kid getting involved in things you shouldn't have been involved in. He saw you when you thought you didn't have a choice. He saw you when you started drinking. He sees you when you drink now. He saw you when you had your son, my biological father. He saw you try and struggle and win and lose in raising him. He saw victory in your son's salvation and success. He saw generational habits, hang-ups, and curses break in the life of the boy you raised. He saw your heart break when he died, and he sees the rage in your heart about the devastating loss to your family. God did not allow your son to die, just like he does not allow you to drink. It's hard to hear, hard for me to say, but it's true. And you can hang up on me, You can tell your family that I haven't gone away yet, that I'm a nuisance or a liar and whatever else you want to say, but I'm not here for answers anymore. I'm just here to tell you that God loves you. 
There isn't anything you can do to stop that, no matter how much you sabotage yourself. You have an opportunity to soften your heart to relationships, to sobriety, to faith. He isn't going to hang up on you like you did on me. I forgive you for your rejection. I forgive you for the things you have done that you think are unforgivable. And even if you never call me or acknowledge who I am, I hope that you know that I have not and will not stop praying for you. You are seen. God is real. He loves you. And that's it. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode. If you liked what you heard, please send a review, share, and subscribe. And if you would like to connect with me, you can reach me on Facebook and Instagram at Letters to My Daughter's Podcast. I hope that this letter this week encouraged you to speak up where you need to speak up and to connect where you need to connect. I hope you have a great week. Bye.